All right. Well, welcome everyone to our starting of a new series titled Seasons Greetings here at The Eight. And before any of you get on my case, it is okay as Orthodox Christians for us to say Seasons Greetings or Happy Holidays because I know like, no, we're Christian. We should be able to say Merry Christmas. We don't say Happy Holidays. Let me tell you why it's okay for us to say this. Because in the ancient view of Christianity in the first few centuries, we understood that Christmas is not just a pinpointed day in which we celebrate. Actually, it's, it's holy days. Actually, that's the word holidays. Holidays means holy days. So we are entering now, starting next week, entering a season of holy days for us to remind ourselves of God becoming incarnate, God becoming man. So because of that reality, these are holy days. I'm sure many of you guys have heard the song, the 12 days of Christmas, right? right? That's how it goes, right? Yeah, so the 12 days of Christmas, that historically, that's to remind us that there are 12 days of us celebrating Christmas between Christmas Day and us celebrating the baptism of Jesus, or it's titled Epiphany or Theophany. So these are 12 days that are holy. So it's okay for us to say happy holidays, but not just in a generic political sense. No, we're saying these are holy days. So another common greeting, generic greeting that we hear as we enter now Christmas season is season's greetings. And I will get to it over the next few Sundays as far as why this is titled season's greetings. I mentioned this before, but my first year of marriage was the toughest year of my entire life so far. Of my life, that was the toughest year of my life because I would explain things, like Sarah would explain things her way and, and I would explain things the right way. And she would not understand, she did not understand my point of view to everything and we're crammed in this small Washington DC apartment and I, I just felt so much regret. What did I do? And those, but she understood things her way, and I understood things the right way. And I wanted to convince her of the right way. I wanted to preach the good news for her to understand the right way, for her to understand where I was coming from. But thank God, 11 years later, we've come a long way from there. You and I, when we have conflict with family members, our spouse, maybe there's a lot of different personalities that you will be with over the next few weeks because of the holidays, there's going to be natural tension that is going to happen. And we feel we want people to understand things our way, right? Sometimes we allow that other person to talk just for them to get over whatever they wanna say out of the way so I can say the right thing, right? So sometimes we're not really good at active listening to someone, but we just want them to talk so that way I can tell them the right way because in your view, you have the right way, my view, I have the right way. So this entire series, the subtitle is called Relationship Management 101. And I felt this was tis the season to talk about relationship management because if you're going somewhere or family's coming here or you have to make that phone call with that annoying family member in which you never really talk to or you have to run into them at, for whatever reason over the next few weeks or because of the holiday, there are different personalities, annoying people that will get on your nerves and you don't know what to talk to them about. So this is all about how to manage relationships, especially in this very critical and sensitive time of the holidays. We are all very good at fixing things. No, sorry, let me say that, let me put it this way. We are, all okay. we are great at starting things and maintaining things, but we're not good at fixing things. You and I can start a car, maybe, you're better than me on maintaining a car. But to fix it, 
We don't know how to fix it. We can start a phone, we can start an iPad, we can start a laptop, we can maybe maintain it. But to fix it, it's a different story. And the same thing is true for relationships. We can start a relationship, maybe a lot of us are good at starting a relationship, maybe to maintain it, okay. But once there is tension, once I, I heard, like once something was said to me and I took it very offensive, or it really bothered me, or this person did this to me and it really hurt me, we do not know how to repair or fix relationships. This is why relationships dissolve. This is why marriages dissolve. This is why some marriages dissolve and they just kind of check out and everyone lives like a roommate because we do not know or we're not even equipped on how to fix. We try to fix it, but sometimes we cause more damage to a relationship when we try to fix it. And I will share two things that I said over and over again in the first year or two of my marriage. One thing I would always tell Sarah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm sorry, Sarah, if what I said offended you. What am I really saying when I tell Sarah that? Yeah, I'm sorry you got it wrong. Yeah, it's not, it's not on me. It's on you. I'm sorry that you are a baby and you get highly offended by everything I say. So I'm sorry that you are like that. We think, I think I'm saying the right thing. I think I'm trying to improve the marriage. I think I'm being a good man, being humble. I'm sorry if I offended you. But in reality, I'm saying there's something wrong with you. Something else I said. I said I'm sorry. So why are you still upset? I already said it. I already said I'm sorry. So why are you still holding on to this? What, 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 what am I really saying? Let, let me say, what we say, go ahead, Nidhi. Yeah, get over it. Yeah, exactly. I already said it. I said the magic words. I'm sorry. Now it's on you. I've done my part. The rest is on you. And I don't want to look at you guys because all of you guys are smiling because maybe you can relate to these two things. But we've all heard and maybe we have said these. Why, why does this resonate with us so much? Because we stink as human beings to fix relationships. We are not equipped. We do not even equip ourselves on knowing how to fix it. We can start one. We can maybe somewhat maintain it. But to fix a relationship... It takes some work, it takes some tactics, it takes some muscle, it takes some energy, it takes some humility, it takes some virtues, and which we want to discuss over the next four Sundays, including today, for us to be able to equip ourselves to manage relationships better. Reconciling a broken relationship is not intuitive. Reconciling a broken relationship is not intuitive. That's why we say, I'm sorry, why are you so upset? You shouldn't, you get over it, just move on. We don't know how to fix it. So reconciling or reconnecting a broken relationship, it is not intuitive. It's not natural for us to be able to fix a certain relationship. And this is why liturgically, if we go to the first decades and the first centuries of Christianity, the idea of reconciling was an integral part to liturgy and outside of liturgy. And this is why, this is where we get the name, Season's Greeting, a common expression and hymn and, and, and language of the church as far as liturgy is concerned is that we make a big deal of greeting one another with a holy kiss. There has to be a reconciliation. Actually, the first segment of the divine liturgy is titled the prayer of reconciliation. Like this is an integral part that Jesus kind of drilled into the head of his first followers and this became an integral part to them celebrating the Eucharist in the first few decades and first few centuries of Christianity and that continuity continues till today. We continue to pray this prayer of reconciliation. We continue to greet one another with a holy kiss. But let's take a, a step back. Anybody know who these two people are, by the way? 
This is an ancient Coptic Orthodox icon. Anyone want to take a guess? Who are these two people? Okay, close, very close, very close. Anybody else want to take a guess? These are two authors of the New Testament. Yeah, St. Peter and St. Paul, very good. So these two authors, um, so St. Peter was a direct disciple uh, uh, and, and, and St. Paul was an apostle. Both of them wrote many different letters to recent Christian converts around uh, the Mediterranean area. And they would write a lot in their epistles they would say, like they're writing to another city, and they would say to the city of Philippi or to the city of Corinth, greet one another with a holy kiss. He would tell them, make sure that you're not just reading this and you keep it in your back pocket and you just keep it for yourself and you live an individualistic life, just you, your life, your, no. Greet, make sure that you greet one another with a holy kiss. He made a big deal that you reconcile, you reconnect with others, and then he would use his gesture of saying, greet one another with a holy kiss. Here's some history. I find this very interesting and hilarious all at the same time. There was an early Christian in the year, around the year 100, by the name of St. Justin, St. Justin the Martyr. This is his uh, picture. So St. Justin the Martyr recorded that you should come face toward the east for celebrating the divine liturgy, pray the prayer of reconciliation, and then greet one another with a holy kiss. Verbatim, he says the exact same template in which we continue to pray 2,000 years later. This is a philosopher who became a, a convert to Christianity. He named St. Justin. So St. Justin wrote down explicitly what we do till today in our ancient faith. And then comes uh, St. Clement, uh, St. Clement of Alexandria. This is his icon. And St. Clement, you know, a few uh, decades later, starts to notice you know what, people are starting to greet one another at church, but people are taking a little bit too far. Like, you know, this guy is kissing that girl probably more than they should at church. And it's, it's hilarious, you see this written in the manuscripts, is that they would greet one another at church and they would kiss each other, a holy kiss, but then people would not make it, they would make the kiss go from holy kiss to unholy kiss. And so St. Clement saying, I, we gotta change something about here, like this is not right, like this is not appropriate for church. So then comes a, a, a manuscript titled the Apostolic uh, Constitution or Apostolic Tradition. And in this manuscript, the church then said, you know what, we should have the guys sit on one section and the girls sit on one section because there was holy kisses becoming unholy kisses in church. But this is why in the early church, like they would greet one another. Just so for us to know, now in the Coptic Orthodox tradition, how we don't greet anybody with, uh, you know, we don't, don't kiss anybody in church, okay? But what we do is now we greet one another by, by, by this gesture with our hands. It's just, it's, it's a universal generic greeting. And some Orthodox churches say, hey, how you doing? Shake your hand, some give a hug. That's okay, I mean, there's the, like, tomato, tomato. Like you, you, the, but I'm just saying, what's more of a common tradition as far as the Alexandrian tradition, as we're saying Clement is from, is that we would greet one another just by putting our hands together and greeting the other person like this. But um, it was just funny that how in the beginning the church would greet each other by a kiss on the cheek. Uh, they would, they, it would involve the lip. We don't know to what extent. That was originally, that was in the first century church. But then people started to take it way uh, overboard and then some of the guys would be very strategic where they sat in church to make sure that they sat next to certain females to make sure they couldn't wait. Their favorite part of liturgy wasn't communion. Their favorite part of liturgy was greeting one another with a holy kiss. If proximity, if closeness, if greeting one another is an integral part 
to liturgical worship. It is an integral part to the apostles. It is an integral part to the epistles that we have in Scripture. If this was an integral part to the Christian worldview, what does that look like for you and me today? You can kind of get greeting one another. You can greet someone who you get along with. You can get understand greeting a family member or a, a friend or a, some or a coworker that you get along with. You can hang out with them and greet one another. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. You can do that. But if this is an integral part to the Christian worldview, liturgically, it should be an integral part outside of liturgy as well. How do we continue to greet one another even with annoying people in our lives? We should continue to extend this greet one another outside of liturgy in our daily lives, and especially around this holiday season. Maybe you are thinking, I've done everything possible to, to, to connect with that person again. I've done everything possible to reconnect and rebuild our relationship. I've done everything possible. Now it's on them. And maybe, and understandably, understandably, that you say, I've done everything possible, that's on them. That, I, I, I've done everything. They should make the first move. They should make the first move, not me. Let's take a time out. If that's the case, since you are the better person in that relationship, you tell yourself you're the better person, right? Your way is the right way, since you're the better person. Since you are the better person, why don't you make the first move? Since you are the, since you are the better person, why don't you make the first move on reconnecting that relationship? Why don't you be the better person? Since you convince yourself you're the better person, then you should make the first move. This is not only a nice generic thing to do, you should make the first move. If you identify yourself as being a follower of Jesus, you have no excuse but to make the first move. And I get it. If you're kind of like one foot into this whole Christian thing, that is totally fine. Maybe you don't need to take that first step. But at least convince yourself that you are the better person. So since you are the better person, you should make that first move. But if you're all in to a Christian worldview and you're all, all in that this rabbi is your savior and his name is Jesus from Nazareth, if that is an integral part to your worldview and how you make life decisions, then you and I have no choice but to make the first move. Sometimes we feel, okay, I'm going to make the first move and this person better respond this way, this better person do this, this better person be receptive to what I have to say. Don't do that. Once you do that, you are setting a goal for that other person. You don't like it when someone else makes a goal for you in your life. You don't like when someone tells you, oh, uh, you know, you should do this, you should do that. You don't like when somebody else makes a goal for your life. So don't make a goal for someone else's life. Don't set an agenda for someone else's life. You cannot control someone else. You do what's in your control. Do not set an agenda for another adult as far as what he or she should do. That's not in your position. That's not your department. But what is in your control that you can take steps to reconcile a relationship. The goal is not to, to rebuild that relationship 100%. It's nice, but that's not the goal. The goal is for you to do everything possible to have no regrets. This, I mean, I'm gonna repeat this for the next four weeks. The goal is not for the, for the other person to have the same worldview as far as reconnecting, reconciling. That's not the end goal. It's nice, it's nice, but don't, Push that, your agenda on someone else's agenda. Maybe they have a different worldview. Maybe they, they have another, another struggle, whatever the case might be. But the goal is for you to do everything possible to empty yourself and submit yourself and humble yourself to reconcile 
to the point in which you have no regrets. Why is this the integral format for us to reconcile and to greet one another? Why is that? Because it was explicitly showed to us by the God-man himself. Reconciliation. To reconnect with that family member, that friend, that lost long, whatever. To reconnect. Maybe you can say there is a forgiveness part. There's also the other half of that equation is, the, is, is, is a reconciliation, is, is, is proximity. You can forgive someone. Okay, fine. But it requires now action. It requires the next step. How are you reconnecting? How are you reconciling with that person? Again, if you're not all into the Christian worldview, totally fine. You can ignore me. But if you are all in, you and I have no choice but to be all in. The apostle, St. Paul, he wrote a letter to the city of Philippi, and he told them this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He's trying to push them in your relationships. Don't look for what's in it for me. Don't just say, okay, how is this transactional? What is, that, what is this person bringing to the table? Or I've done everything possible for this person, so screw him. That's on him. I've done everything I can. Don't settle for that. Since you are the better person, then you take the next step to reconcile, to reconnect. This is our, this is our ethic for us to push out of our comfort zone, to, to elevate ourselves to this level. So he's pushing the city of Philippi. He's, fishing, he's pushing these early Christian converts. In all your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What was the mindset of Christ Jesus? That he met people where they were, that he humbled himself to get down to their level, to talk the same language as them, to reconnect with them, to ask questions, being an active listener, to reconcile, to reconnect. This is our mission. Not my, my way is the right way and forget him, forget her. I've done everything possible. That's on him. If he's a good Christian, he should do this. If she's a good Christian, she should be doing that. No, nonsense. That's not our, that's not our ethic. But if our ethic is to reconcile and reconnect and humble ourselves and empty ourselves in the same capacity in which Jesus did, then we have no choice. So in the season of greeting, hence season's greeting, it's cute, right? Okay. If that's our goal, then we have no choice. So I encourage you, you're with that annoying family member, you have, you're trying to run away and you're trying to avoid conversation with that person giving for Christmas, for whatever, for that trip, be the better person. Why? Because this person gave it all for us to have it all. And if he gave it all for us, then we have no choice but to be the better person, to reconcile, forgive, perfect, awesome, good for you. Now put that into action, to reconcile, to reconnect. My only question for you today, What's stopping, I'll make it personal for myself and you make it personal for yourself. What's stopping me from trying? What's stopping me from really going the extra mile to connect with this person? What's stopping me? What's preventing me from trying? Again, don't put an agenda on them. What's in your, what can you do in your capacity in which you can say, I have no regret? What's stopping me from trying? What is preventing you? Is it pride? Is it stubbornness? Is it exhaustion? Is it being hurt from pain from the past, which is understandable? What is preventing you from trying? Let this question itch us this week. 
make us uncomfortable, especially as we get now into Thanksgiving. Let this question make us uncomfortable. And then over the next few Sundays from here, we'll continue to understand or embrace how we are called as followers of Jesus to greet one another, regardless of where they are and regardless of the past. Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord God, amen. Lord, it is convenient for us to just talk with those who think like us, for us to connect with those who get us. It's convenient for us just to be maybe just our own social circles. It's convenient for us just to be around family and friends who are just like us. But Lord, you have not called us to that. You have set the bar for us so much higher. Just as you reconciled with humanity to restore us, this is our mission for us to be the light of you to others. Lord, all of us have that person or people in mind in which we know that we need to be the better person to reconnect, to reconcile. Lord, I pray that, that this talk, that today makes us a little bit uncomfortable for us to put away excuses, for us to remove some of those barriers and for us to come with humility, to reconcile, to reconnect, to do everything in our capacity to the point of giving up of ourselves in the same way that you did for us. Lord, I pray that these words are not just generic and nice and it could be applied to someone else, but it's applicable to me, applicable to all of us. Help us to, to come out of our comfort zone for us to step up to the plate, for us to be the men and women you have called us to be. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for that is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you guys. Uh, happy early Thanksgiving. We'll continue the series next Sunday.